1: Welcome to today's edition of The Plum Line, brought to you by Reasons for Hope, training and equipping a new generation to stand boldly on the Word of God. You can find information about them at r4h.com, that's the letter R, then F-O-R-H.com. You'll also find their brand new book, Glad You Asked, answers to 12 tough questions about Christmas that you need answers for. At that website, r4h.com, and that's what our discussion is going to be about on the broadcast today, Christmas from a Biblical Worldview. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph, and you can reach me anytime to share your thoughts, comments, questions. If you want to share some support with this listener-supported radio ministry, I'd love that. Some end-of-the-year giving coming to the plumb line would be a great blessing. And you can reach out to me at this email address to find out more, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Plum is P-L-U-M-B, radio at gmail.com. Support for The Plum Line is provided by these fine business sponsors. EPS Wealth Management of Phoenix, who serves clients in several states. Call them for a no-cost, no-obligation conversation about your financial concerns. 623-537-3657. Abundant Life Landscape, your irrigation repair specialist. Call them at 619-277-2410. And by Charles McLucas Jr., founder and CEO of Charitable Trust Administrators, Inc. Learn about the benefits of a charitable remainder trust at ctai-ca.com. Support for The Plum Line is also provided by Simple Turn. Their online health resources teach your kids how health really works and how to avoid 90% of chronic disease. Get your family's free health course at (laughs) mysimpleturn.com. On today's edition of The Plum Line, I'm excited to be joined by Carl Kirby, the president and founder of Reasons for Hope, the national ministry sponsor of The Plum Line. We're going to discuss their latest book, Glad You Asked, Answers to 12 Tough Questions About Christmas That You Need Answers For. The book is edited by Carl Kirby and Juan Valdez, also a speaker for Reasons for Hope. And we'll look at a number of aspects regarding Christmas, including is Christmas... Really just based upon a pagan holiday. That'll be one of the questions that we'll address. And Carl, thanks for joining me for the broadcast and thanks again for Reasons for Hope in your partnership with the Plum Line.
0: Jay, I appreciate it, and it's a blessing for us as well. So Keep on doing the hard job that you're doing, man, getting the word out. Uh,
1: Yeah, amen. I'm just so thrilled with what God has done with the show and the connections now with Reasons for Hope and the work that you guys do, and it's just all for his glory. And So today Mm -hmm. we talk about Christmas, and as I said, uh, the first chapter in the book and also one of the main things that I want to address is Christmas Mm -hmm. a pagan holiday. I see this one's written by Andy Stearns, who honestly I'm not familiar with. Maybe you can share a bit about Andy, but let's talk about that first off. Is it really just a pagan holiday?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Andy is a professor at Faith Baptist Bible College in Ankeny, Iowa. And Juan and I co-teach a class there, and we're actually teaching three classes uh, starting next year. And Andy has been their apologetic teacher, does a great job, the students love him. So I was like, man, I wanted to get him involved with it. So we gave him this chapter, and I think he did a great job. You know, he goes through the origins of Christmas, the meaning of it, and all that sort of a thing so uh, he gives the history, right? I mean, because, oh, you know, they took over this pagan holiday, and there was worship of the Son God, and now Christians are... And I love the way that he did it, to be real honest with you, Jay. But the point that he made that I think just stuck in my mind that says, no, this is not a pagan holiday. He said, think of it like this. Right now, the month of June in our country today is Pride Month, right? Mm. He said, Im- imagine that Christians finally get organized. I put that in there. He didn't say that. <laughs> but we finally, we finally come together. And we get unified and we say, you know what? Nope, it is not Pride Month, it's Prayer Month. And we are going to take and turn the month of June, Christians are going to turn it into Prayer Month. And so now let's fast forward a hundred years. And now Prayer Month is really stuck. And somebody goes back and they see the history of this whole thing. And they say, you see, Prayer Month is just a pagan holiday because, you know, originally it was celebrating the LGBTQ, and that's Pride Month, and now the Christians just hijacked a pagan holiday. No, that's not true at all. We took, and we turned against something that was bad, and said, now let's put the focus on where it should be, which is on Christ Jesus. I love what he did with the chapter. I thought he did a great job of just pointing out, don't fall for what the world is throwing at you.
1: Yeah, and of course, it certainly would not be called Christmas were it not for Christ. In fact, the word Christmas, more of Christ, is that what it means, essentially?
0: Yeah, exactly. And so that's why, again, who are we pointing to? And I think that's a very important thing we have to be careful with, because a lot of the rest of the book is going to go through our traditions. And we do have some false traditions. I think one of the points that I really like, Frank Figueroa, one of the other speakers made is that like, make sure that your, your worshiping of uh, Christmas is not the worshiping the nativity that we see in, you know, front yard and all over the place, because many of the things depicted in the nativity might not be biblical. So make sure that you're worshiping the correct source for where we're getting the Christmas message from.
1: Yeah, exactly. And a big one that I think of with that is related to the Christmas tree. I remember when I was a new believer, somebody who did not believe you should have Christmas trees in your home and decorate them and things pointed me to some obscure verse, and maybe you even know the reference. I think it's Leviticus or something. That's probably where, where all those types of verses come from that talk about you know putting up a tree and decorating it and things in, in a negative context. And yet, as long as our purpose of doing these things is not to worship the tree, I don't see a problem with it right?
0: Yeah. I mean, what are we allowing to capture our heart? Well, what is it that is really where we're placing our focus? I believe that the Christmas tree, we can use that. I mean, we've all heard the stories of green, ever, everlasting, you know, continually growing, and we can make these analogies with the Christ and that sort of a thing. But to me, the bottom line would be, is what am I really worshiping? If I am using this tree, and that's what I'm really putting my worship into, then, then we have a problem, because anything that comes before God is a problem. But just having the tree as a reminder, as a celebration, I have a Christmas tree and we put up a lot of things. A lot of history goes on our tree. And these are memories of, I think of them almost as if the stones. Uh, when we read about what mean these stones, I put a lot of those types of memories up on the on the Christmas tree. So when our family gets together, it's kind of like we see this history of what God has done throughout The years for our family. So am I worshiping a tree? No, I'm using this as a way to worship God to bring glory to what he has done over the years. So again, where are we putting our focus? Where are we putting the emphasis? Where, Where are we placing our worship?
1: Yeah, exactly. And Candice Nordin hits that pretty well as we're leading right into the right. next chapter here, which deals with the Christmas tree. It's called, Is Having a Christmas Tree a Sin? What about other traditions we typically practice yeah. at Christmas time? And so it applies to any of those, not just the Christmas tree, but any other traditions. Are those traditions right. taking the place of our relationship with Jesus Christ? They should be amplifying and pointing us to Christ, right?
0: Right. I, I look at 1 Corinthians 10, 31. It says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And that's where we should put in that emphasis is on the, to the glory of God. So, yeah, I, I just encourage people to be careful. The, the things that we do, there's a reason for them. And, and if we don't really have a reason, maybe we check that reason.
1: And, Carl, I want to move into the chapter here, which is got an interesting title. It says, Is Jesus' Birth Story Based on a Myth or a Rip-Off of Horus, Mithras, and Other Egyptian Gods? Here, I hope I said those uh, titles right, but this is one that you wrote, so you've dug into this a little bit, but explain even what you mean by this, if you would.
0: It's crazy. It seems like every Christmas, there's the, you know how memes come out. And, well, we always have the memes, and it's one that says, you know, born on December 25th, born of a virgin, had disciples, resurrected from the dead. Big deal. Not Jesus. And they start listing Horus, Mithra, and all these other Egyptian gods. And the implication is, is that, well, Jesus, these Egyptian gods lived long, long before Jesus. So Christianity, all they did is they went and they ripped off these stories from those other Egyptian gods and turned it into Jesus. And as a matter of fact, Bill Maher loved to use this argument. He did a movie that he just really ridiculed. He went down in Florida they used to have the Holy Land experience. And the guy that played Jesus, he he got him to do an interview with them. And I mean, he just shredded them. It was actually embarrassing because like, well, you know, this, this, this. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's Jesus. No, that's me No, that's horse. And that was thousands of years before Jesus ever came onto the scene. And I'm sure that there were some uh, editing done to make the guy look even worse than it really was, but it wasn't good. And so that's why I took this on because it's one of those things that comes out every Christmas. We have this, Jesus is ripping these other Egyptian gods off. So I was like, okay, let's go take a look at it. One of the illustrations that I'll use in my talk is, you know, I'll tell everybody, hey, look, I've got a very special deal here and I'm going to sell you a Rolex. And I'm going to sell this Rolex to you. It typically costs $8,000. This is a Submariner. This is a good one, right? James Bond wears this one in the movies. I'm going to sell it to you for a thousand dollars because you guys have been so kind to me. Do you want to buy it? Are there any questions you want to ask? Right. And so what, what are the people doing? Well, is it a fake? Is it a fraud? Well, how can you tell a fake one from a real one? And so I go through the five methods that are used by jewelers to tell whether a Rolex is fake or a fraud. And the last one I love is they check the heft and that's an interesting thing. It's like, because they said a real Rolex weighs totally different from a fake Rolex. And you can just by holding it, you can tell what is real and what is not real. But the only way that you can tell if it's real or not real, Jay, is if you know what the real weight truly is. And so the point that I'm trying to make to people, is like, we need to know who Jesus truly was, know the history of Jesus, and then now let's go and compare it to these other stories. And when you do that, there's no comparison. Matter of fact, and I, I'll cut this short for you, when you go and you study the history of it, what you're going to find is that all of these Egyptian gods... What they did is they stole from Christianity, because Christianity started to grow in popularity, and they're like, oh, hold up, man. Our God needs some of that. So they started taking the attributes from Christianity and applying it to their God. And so it was very interesting when you go through and look at that sort of a thing. And I mean, there's a huge movie out called Zeitgeist, and that's one of those that was really used to younger generation, just totally deceive them into thinking that Jesus was stealing from everybody. But when you go do the actual study on it, oh no, the attributes aren't there. And in, in my talk, I actually go through and I have the list of, here's all these different attributes, born on December 25th, born of a virgin, resurrection, and all that. And we go through each and every one of those Egyptian gods. And guess what? About the only thing that they have in common is the Egyptian gods are born on December 25th, but God isn't. And that's another one of the chapters in the book. Was Jesus really born on December 25th? You know, the resurrection, oh my goodness, when you start reading the supposed resurrections, it's totally different. One, just for example, Jay, I've gone long, sorry. Mithra, born of a virgin. Well, guess what? When you go read the birth quote unquote story of Mithra, he was born of a rock. I mean, okay, I have to concede. I guess that's a virgin birth because as far as I can tell, rocks don't have sex. But this is how silly it truly was when I started looking into this thing. And still, I'm guaranteeing you, as you look out, you're going to find these memes trying to say that Jesus ripped off these other gods when there could be nothing further from the truth.
1: Hmm. Well, let me see if I'm following this correctly here. Basically, you're saying that these stories are coming after Jesus, essentially, but they're trying to predate them or say that they were before Jesus. But really, exactly. so they were just copying the Jesus story and then trying to say, oh, this came before Jesus, so he's copying us. I get it.
0: <laughs> here, I'll, I'll give you a direct quote, all right? And this is a direct quote from uh, T.D. Menninger of Lund University. He's a non Christian, by the way, okay? And this is what he wrote There is, as far as I'm aware, no prima facie evidence is that the death, resurrection of Jesus is a mythological construct drawing on the myths and rites of the dying and rising gods of the surrounding world. The death and resurrection of Jesus retains its unique character in the history of religions. The consensus among modern scholars, nearly universal, is that there were no dying and rising gods that preceded Christianity. They all post-dated the first century. So all of these other religions, because they started losing their worshippers. To Christianity, they started taking from Christianity because, oh, if their God can rise from the dead, then, well, ours has to as well. Mm. And so that's from a non-Christian writer that wrote that in the Riddle of the Resurrection, Dying and Rising Gods in the Ancient Near East.
1: Well, thank you for sharing those insights, Carl. Carl Kirby, my guest, president and founder of Reasons for Hope on the Plumb Line today as we discuss Christmas, the book Glad You Asked, Answers to 12 Tough Questions About Christmas That You Need Answers For, edited by Carl Kirby and Juan Valdez. And I have an opportunity for you and the listening audience to win a copy ...of that great resource. From Reasons for Hope, I'm going to give away two copies to the first two people to email me. You can reach out at this email address, radio at gmail.com. Remember, Plum is P-L-U-M-B, radio at gmail.com. If you're one of the first two to email me... Just let me know your name and address, and we'll send you a copy of that book from Reasons for Hope. And if you're not one of the blessed winners, you can find the book and lots of other great resources at the website for my national ministry sponsor, Reasons for Hope. It's the letter R-F-O-R-H dot com. Stay tuned for more. I am so pleased to have Reasons for Hope as the national sponsor of The Plum Line. The mission of both of our ministries is to proclaim the gospel and to train people to look at every topic and issue from a biblical worldview. You can discover more about their many fabulous resources and their debunked video series or request one of the R4H speakers for your event or maybe attend an equip youth retreat or rally all at r4h.com. To learn about the Plum Line's partnership with Reasons for Hope, check out the blog postings at r4h.com, and you can find the Plum Line station directory and podcast link at r4h.com slash theplumline. Be sure to leave a note saying thanks to Reasons for Hope for supporting the Plum Line. Proverbs Payments is a partner with The Plumb Line in helping me to raise the funds necessary for broadcasting this gospel-proclaiming show. Proverbs Payments is a Christian credit card processing company who is kingdom-focused instead of profit-focused. To learn about how they can benefit your business or ministry, visit ProverbsPayments.com. Thanks for joining me for The Plumb Line. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph. On the broadcast today, I'm joined by Carl Kirby, who is the president of and founder of Reasons for Hope. And we are talking about Christmas, a little sound of Christmas in the background there. It came upon a midnight clear. And we're discussing a book called Glad You Asked, Answers to 12 Tough Questions About Christmas that you need answers for, that Reasons for Hope has recently put out. And Carl, I want to talk about one of the chapters that you authored and researched dealing with Santa Claus. And, you know, I guess there's pretty wide views out there. Some say, you know, we shouldn't even talk about or mention Santa Claus at all. I know in my family, personally, we don't really, you know, deal with the whole Santa Claus thing. But I don't judge others or certainly think that, you know, others who want to practice that. Again, the, the key principle, the overarching principle here, is if we are saying, you know, Santa Claus is the one who brings the presents and he's the one who we give all the glory to because he brings us these great presents, there's obviously Mm -hmm. an issue or a problem there. If it's just kind of a fun, jolly, red-dressed man at Christmas time, probably not an issue. It all comes down to where you're placing the attention, the focus, the worship, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, and I'm with you, Jay, in our family. I got saved when my children were like five and six years old, and it was probably a couple years later that we had to deal with this issue because it came up. And I remember very clearly talking with my wife saying, we can't do this. Now, I'm not telling everybody that they have to do this, but my wife and I, we made the decision that we can't do this because when our children find out that Santa Claus isn't real, and I I hope that's not a revelation to anybody listening, but (laughs) he's not real, that there's not really this jolly old guy that drops down chimneys and gives us gifts, and they find out that that's not real, well, mom and dad have been playing this game well, what else have they not been telling us the truth about? So we we made a conscious decision that was like, look, this is the way we handle this. This is the culture. This is what's going on. And we talked about some of the history, where it came from, some of the things that I actually went through in the chapter on it. Because, I mean, this goes all the way back to 280 AD, right? When Nicholas was supposedly born. And then the changes that have taken place over time. So we went through some of that type of thing, but we told our children that, Christmas, what it's really about worshiping the birth of Christ, and that's what it's totally focused on. Now, Santa Claus, you're going to see in the culture, we can't run and we can't hide from it, but I'm not going to let it freak me out either. I'm not afraid of this thing, so let's talk about it. And let me use it as a teaching point. Now, your peers, when they went to school, I had to, I told them to be very respectful. It's like, look, you don't need to be that person that's in there telling people how dumb they are for believing all this stuff. That's not our job. We speak the truth. Uh, if somebody asks you point blank, you tell them this is what we believe and here's why we believe it. But we don't need to be the aggressors going out here. And just mocking and ridiculing somebody because their parents decided that to take a different approach to this. So, yeah, I, I personally I couldn't do it because I just didn't want my children thinking that I was going to uh, mislead them in this area. That, well, where else am I misleading them? Because you read the lyrics to a lot of songs about Santa Claus, and it's, you can transpose it with Christ pretty easily, right? And I, I think some of that was intentional, but I just want to be very careful that I'm pointing to the true Christ that revealed Himself through His Word, and we don't have confusion.
1: Mm, Yeah, exactly. That's just what my wife and I thought as well. And so I think that is very important and something that parents need to think about or consider if they are going to have Santa be brought up, I guess, or discussed within the family context here. And so let's go to those origins of Santa Claus, though, and St. Nicholas. You did, obviously, quite a bit of research and put in some material about that. So share with us a little bit about the origins of Santa
0: Yeah, quite honestly, there's not a whole lot known. It's a lot of tradition stuff and legends and that type of a thing. I think the biggest thing that you're going to find in the traditions is that, you know, he saved sisters from being sold into slavery by their father, and and he gave them a dowry so that they could be married and they didn't have to live that life. So that's kind of the early stuff. There's another account that he attended the first council of Nicaea and supposedly got so upset that he struck the heretic Arius in the face, and that caused him to be put in prison. So so there's, there's types of stories, but honestly, there's not a whole lot about him. And when you read some of the early depictions, I mean, what we see in Santa Claus today is not really what you saw going on back then. And, and there's one account I called it, uh, well, I didn't call it, but it's called The Evil Butcher. Well, you don't want to read that account to your children about Santa Claus, because I'm going to tell you right now pretty ugly. And so there's a lot of legends and a lot of stories. It's like just about anything else that doesn't have strong foundations. You just got people telling various stories and traditions. And it culminated within uh, the later years with some really cool drawings and, and, and magazines in the 1800s that turned Santa Claus into what we see today, the guy with the pipe and all that type of a thing.
1: That's interesting. I'm glad you brought that up, because I've heard one side of this about St. Nicholas, and there have always been good stories. So that's interesting to hear that there's oh, yeah, some confusion. There's some ugly ones. <laughs> <laughs> a real
0: ugly one. I mean, when, when I read it, I was like, oh my goodness. This is almost like, I mean, parents need to be a little concerned. The fairy tales about, you know, taking children and cooking them and all that kind of thing. Yeah, it's uh. some ugly stuff.
1: Huh. Well, I want to kind of read a little bit from what you share in this chapter and use that as you did also to lead into the one true giver of, of gifts, the Father of the heavenly lights, as the scriptures describe. And let me just share a little bit. You you talk about the fact that you believe we need to emphasize that Santa Claus is not real and not a substitute for the true meaning of Christmas. And we must teach why the attributes of generosity, kindness, and the joy of giving things that kind Kind of go with Santa Claus, why those are important in a world gone crazy, and that ultimately those attributes point to a real man named Jesus Christ, who is fully God and fully man. And so pick up, I guess, from what you share about that in this chapter here.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, think about it. Many times what I find is that non-Christians want Christian morality. They, they believe so strongly that we need to be polite, we need to be nice, we need to be kind. and and those are, you know, attributes that we find where, well, we're called to be polite, we're called to be respectful in the Scripture, but if there is no God that gave us those attributes, then guess what? It's all wiring. It's all biology. And if I am nothing more than a biological machine that has evolved over millions of years, but my biology wired me to such a, an extent that, look, if I'm stronger than you, then I'm going to take from you what I want because I'm stronger and so therefore you're going to give it up. That's reality. But people don't like that. They want this to be nice and this sort of thing. And so what we see in Santa Claus are those attributes of generosity and kindness and joy. But really, what is the root for those things? And if it's not back in something that is solid, which I would say is God, who revealed himself as Christ, and gave us those things and told us that those are the standards by which we should live our lives, then really all we have is our opinions, and everybody can do that, which is right in their own eyes. I think I read something about that somewhere. And that's not a good thing, because apart from God, if we're going to live our lives based on our feelings, what we think, what we feel, there is a way that seems right to man, but the ends lead to death. I think I read that somewhere as well. So we want to do these things, but we want to know why we do those things. To me, it's a vitally important part of Christianity, is not just knowing what we believe, but why we believe it. And so by pointing people to Christ, now I can say why this is why these attributes are so promoted, because this is in line with the one who made us and the outline that he gave for us in the way that we should live our lives.
1: Yeah, well, and as we wrap up this first of two shows on our discussion about Christmas here with my guest Carl Kirby, president and founder of Reasons for Hope, I appreciate how in this chapter he offers us the best Christmas gift that we could ever receive, and it's offered by God, but it comes through the message shared here by Carl in this book that we're looking at, Glad You Asked. And this is the free gift of eternal life by simply believing on the Lord Jesus Christ today. Wherever you are, you can do this. In fact, you're tuned into this radio show right now, and God knows why. He knew you were going to be tuned in at this very moment. And it may be that you were just flipping through the radio dial, you don't even know how you ended up or why you ended up on the plumb line. But this is the moment for you. This can be the day of salvation. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, humble yourself and pray And he will hear you. He will respond to you and will receive you into his family. The way to become a child of God is through adoption. And he will adopt you in as one of his when you believe. All you need to do is acknowledge the fact that you have sinned. I have gone through this. Carl's been through this. We've acknowledged the fact that we have sinned. So this is not something where anyone is better than anyone else. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So acknowledge that turn from that sin. That's what the word repentance means, to turn away from that sin and to turn to God and believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, who is fully God, fully man, the Son of God, who died for you in your place and took your sin upon himself. And that is the reason that we celebrate Christmas, uh, because of what Jesus came for. Not just that he came as a baby, but who he is, and what he came for. And I would love to share with you more about this. I'm going to give my email address again. Love to have you reach out to me. It's radio at gmail.com. Remember, Plum is P-L-U-M-B, Radio at gmail.com. And we can connect and discuss this more. As we wrap up this edition of The Plumline. I encourage you to join me for the next one. We'll talk more about Christmas from a biblical worldview. We'll see you next time on The Plumline. The Plum Line has been sponsored by Reasons for Hope. Check them out at r4h.com.